0: Hebrews 4, 2 says, Indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Just a few seconds ago, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart to tell us that in these next minutes to not just listen, but to receive. And not just hear... Good news, but to mix with faith. We have a guest today, one of the main leaders at the International House of Prayer, has uh, visited with him yesterday. He was at the corner up. Long story short, I, I could say a lot of things about him, but I'll say this. He loves his wife. He has two beautiful children Nehemiah, is that right? And Amaya. And, um, He takes time. He's been marked as an intercessor who, usual day as he's in the prayer room in Kansas City from 6 a.m. till noon, and then he goes out and he releases that which he's bought. And so, Father, let's just open our hearts. This is Josh. McDonald coming up. But Father, we just open our hearts, Lord. I ask for, I just even declare it, the, the acts against the unbelief, uh, the the confession, Lord, that we will hear the good news and mix it with faith, that it would profit us, that we would be changed, that the metamorphosis, the transforming power of your word Received would be engrafted in us today in these moments, and that we would never be the same. We receive this man. We receive who he is as your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on up, man.
1: Emily, here they are. Um, we, my wife and I have been married for a little over eight years, and um, that's our son, Nehemiah. He's seven and a half. He's super deep, feeler, emotional, prophetic guy, and Amaya is four and a half. She's super bold. She'll talk to anybody, and she's a gymnastics fanatic, and um, amen. <laughs> well... I'm super excited to uh, be here. I don't like being up this high. Um, I'm excited. I just, I'm blown away by what God's doing in Austin. Leading up to this trip, you know, there's just some different leaders from Austin that I spent some time with. One of them is randomly in Kansas City on a sabbatical. And he made a pretty bold statement. And he said, um, and I trust his voice, too. You know people say big things about their city, and everyone's, you know, everyone thinks their city's the city for revival, you know. And, um, but no, I mean he, he 's a very respected voice, and, and he said to me, he said, "Dude, in all of my travel all over the world, he's like, i don't know of a city more connected in unity in the spirit than Austin, Texas." And I was just hearing these really cool things. And so I've just been blown away. Corner up messed me up. (laughs) I came, I'm serious, man. I came walking down. I, I was late on accident. Like I was like five or 10 minutes late to worship and like, all of a sudden we like turn this corner and go down these steps and I just hear this roar of worship and I walk in, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, 15 or t- whatever ministries, I was like, this is insane. And then literally like they actually went out on the street. That's it's one thing like we'll gather in worship, you know, but I'm thinking, you know, where I come from, it's like, you know, five people go out and evangelize, tops. You know, you, you can try all you want, you'll get five. The five goofiest people at IHOP, you know, the biggest characters IHOP has, like those are the ones that go out, you know. But I was like, I couldn't believe it, like everybody actually went out and you and I are kind of like in the front of this pack and we're walking down the street and I look behind me and I'm like, this is not even real, dude. Like, like 200 people are like marching down to the bar district right now, like it was just something, so, (laughs) but I just feel like, you know, I was, I had such a good, I've had such a good time with everybody, Kyle and Brooke and. And you guys last night, and uh, one of the hard I spent all day yesterday with one of the Heart of David guys, and I'm just blown away. i, I It's one of those, I was saying to them last night, to, to Pastor Glenn and Suzanne, and I was just saying, like, you know, I've gotten to a place in my life, I'm young, I'm only 29, but I've probably had way too many microphones in my hand for my age, and I learned a lot because of it, and you guys heard the full detail of my story last night, and you know, it's a sobering thing to speak, you know, and so many young people think they have something to say, and I don't never want to either be someone that would hinder young people in their calling, but it's a sober thing to stand in front of a a place that God has built and think that you actually have something to say that matters and that, that the Lord actually breathes on, you know, and so I just admit that to you guys, say that I don't take this lightly. I actually don't speak a lot anymore. Um, I say no to over half of the invitations that I get. And I just, and it's not because I'm, I'm holy and it's not because I, it's just, I just take it serious, you know? And if I don't really feel like I have something to say, then like, don't give me the microphone, you know? <laughs> And that's even almost how I felt on Friday night. Like, I was so gone in the spirit. <laughs> and I literally, like, I, I knew, like, John, J- Josh Arnold got up there and I knew it was about to be my time. And I was like, I don't even know. Like, but, but it was cool. So I just want you guys to close your eyes for a second. My heart this morning is that we realize how big God is and that we begin to make real decisions to change the way that we live because we're not citizens of this earth. Psalms one nineteen eighteen. I want you just to listen to this, but, in, but, but make it your own towards God. It says, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. God, I just thank you that you long to draw near to us. Not just by feeling, not just by presence, God, but that you wanna open our eyes to see wondrous things. Help us see, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I uh, yeah, I've been I'll just tell you five seconds of who I am. I'm uh, my name is Josh, as I said. I'm I live in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, my wife, I'm sure most of you, this is a house of prayer type ministry, so I don't think anybody here probably doesn't know what IHOP is. But uh, uh, my family and I have been on staff at IHOP for 10 years. Well, we were married for eight, but you know we were on staff before that. We were just in our dating days. And we moved to New York City for a year and a half and then moved back to Kansas City a year and a half ago. And it's just been a crazy journey raising a family, living by faith, raising partners, and <laughs> just living this weird, crazy life, you know. I come from a very successful family, and it's like, you know, <laughs> here, look at what I'm doing, you know, like, do you spend 30 hours a week praying? Like, what? And people support it, you know? And it's just, uh, it's just crazy, so, but I wanna just process my heart with you guys. I made a vow to the Lord. He didn't really ask me to make this vow, but I just did and I've stuck with it, that I will not speak on anything that he's not doing in me in the moment. Um, I'm not really a teacher, I can. I mean, and I have a lot of teachings that I build out, but like I try to teach and I, it's hard. You know, like I build teachings and I like try to get, you know, it's just hard for me. And so I'm just more of a guy that just kind of processes revelation that's in my heart. And I have been in, my family and I have been in the, greatest season of our lives. It started in September. Um, The Lord began to just do a lot, and I won't go into the details, but it has been an unbelievable season. And about in the beginning of this year, the Lord began to really deal with me on, you know, the Mary-Martha thing. You guys probably know what that is, you know, you know, Luke 10, Jesus comes into Martha's home, Mary worships you know falls on his face on her face and is worshiping him and Martha is all stressed out because there's all this stuff to get done and she literally has the nerve to walk up to Jesus and and complain to him about his sister about her sister you know and 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 the Lord just began to really deal with me you know with the subject of Mary and you know, just really like, because just spending so many years being so busy building the kingdoms, you know, and sure, lots of crazy stuff, lots of fruit, lots of real deal fruit, but yet realizing like I'm so distracted and yet here I am representing a ministry that's known for prayer and yet, you know, I'm just spinning my plates and the Lord began to just deal with me and so, Took a full sabbatical. Well, I went on an eight-month sabbatical when we moved back to Kansas City, but then I took another sabbatical in January for a month to just spend 80 hours a week in the prayer room. That was my goal. We're going to fast. The Lord just—it's been, it's been a wild journey. In September, the Lord did something, and, and we ended up—my my wife and I went on a six-month-long fast that really birthed a new depth with the Lord. Um, in this season. And I know you're like, what? Six months? We ate a little bit. We did, <laughs> you did not eat for six months. But it was, uh, and, and believe it or not, I gained 20 pounds. Because you know what happens is, is when you fast like that, like you'll kind of like sporadically have a meal every couple of days. And when you eat, it's just like, oh my gosh. Can you imagine what I was eating? Like McDonald's it didn't matter, you know. And so I actually don't feel very good at the end of that fast. But, but the Lord is in it. And so in this process, I began to get rocked by, I just started meditating on scripture because the Lord did something and, and he, I feel that he did something in me and spoke to me about something that I'm now speaking to others. And it was, I began to realize that my view of God actually was the reason why I couldn't slow down and be with him that somewhere along the way I actually got bored and over-familiar with who God was. And then because of that, you start looking in other directions. This is how affairs happen. This is how affairs happen. At some point along a husband and a wife's journey, whether it's the wife that does it or the husband does it, somewhere along the way you lose all in wonder for the one that you put a ring on or whatever. You could, whoever plays the role in that one. And you begin to look at other things. And when you look with your eyes at other things, it stimulates your soul and you begin to wander in other directions. And I begin to realize that the lack of being able to spend long hours with Jesus was because at the end of the day, I did not see him for who he really was. And I had to push past the Gospels because the Gospels are incredible. But the, but the gospels don't 100 percent give us a look into what is the Father really like. We get it a little bit. I know I say like Jesus is the, is the representation of the Father. We know all those things. But the, the gospel is a storyline of showing us what Jesus did on the Earth to, 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 um, to redeem humanity. But so many people know those stories, but we don't meditate on who this Father really is. It's bigger than just works. It's bigger than just miracles that happen. It's bigger than just a man who came and loved people that no one else would love. We're talking about God here. This thing goes back to Genesis chapter one. <laughs> and, you re- and when you begin to think about Genesis chapter one, you realize that you can't, get any, you can't go back a million years and get any closer to Genesis one than when you started. He was an uncreated god. Uncreated. <laughs> and you start going, "Whoa." Think back 365 days before Genesis 1. Think back 7 years before Genesis 1. Think back 1000 years before Genesis 1. Think back 100 million years before Genesis chapter 1. You're nowhere closer to Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> And I just begin to realize that I've lost all and wonder of who he is. And so when I read stuff like Psalms 119, open my eyes that I would see. Does this make sense? The book of Job has been ruining me in this last three months. Because you guys know the story of Job. It's, it's bad, dude. It stinks. It's a, it's a rough one. And it's one of the most debated books you know in our day. You know, some people say that you know. There's all these whatever. God's not like that. You're misunderstanding scripture. Whatever. But let's fast forward to the last five chapters. Job goes through it, right? Satan tears up everything he owns. Then after that, tears up his body, where literally his friends didn't recognize him, and they and they sat. In, it says that they sat in silence next to him for seven days that his body was so destroyed, full of loathsome sores that literally it says that they sat in silence with him for seven days. Have you ever seen somebody so sick that you're so disturbed that you just sit and look at them for seven days and don't say a word while they're in agony and torment in front of you? I mean like what that dude went through. He probably had a right to complain and curse God. You know, if there's anybody that had a right to like really say, God, I really, I I don't like you, like it's Job. And then the Lord in Job 38 literally manifests himself as a tornado in front of Job and talks to him. Do you realize that? (laughs) It says out of the whirlwind, the Lord spoke. So literally Job is like, if anyone has a reason to complain about his circumstances, it's Job. Like none of you in this room have been through anything like Job did. I swear. <laughs> and you know, and then the Lord, after all of this complaining, all of his buddies are trying to give him advice, you know, and and the Lord literally, like a tornado, stands in front of Job and says, "Job, who are you to challenge me?" Where were you when I commanded the morning? Have you ever caused lightning to hit the earth and say, Here I am? Do you control the storehouses of snow? Do you shut the doors of the sea? And he just goes off on him, just goes off on him for three chapters. It's so intense, it's amazing. Stand still, Job, and listen to me. And then he stops and Job has something to say and Job goes, I'm putting my hand over my mouth. That's how, that's Job's first response when God gives him a chance to talk. So Job literally says, I put my hand over my mouth, I shut up, and then the Lord says, dress yourself like a man, I'm going round two. That's what he says to him. I'm giving you a 2019 version, but he does say dress yourself like a man. Dress yourself like a man, Job, I'm going round two. You know all these charismatic Christians, Job, writing books about Leviathan? Want to know what I do to Leviathan? I grab him by a hook, I play with him in the ocean like a little bird, and I put him on a leash for your daughters to play with. He literally says that. I put Leviathan on a leash for your daughters to play with. And at the end of this, want to know what Job's response was? And this is where I feel the Lord right now. You wanna know what Job, you know what Job says at the end of this? I heard about you, but now I've seen. I've only heard of you. There it is. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. I'm gonna say something super bold. That's gonna sound really unpastoral. <laughs> but I'm a man who has a thousand issues, so I'm not like coming to you as a guy who has no issues, but I believe that every issue of life roots at the fact that we haven't seen God. And what I'm not talking about is until God literally appears to you like he did Job, you can't see, because we have a whole Bible full of showing us what he's like. He encountered Job so we could read about it. Not saying he doesn't want to encounter us, but, it, but, but, but it's not an excuse to not see who he is. I believe that at the core of every one of your emotional struggles, every one of your complaints is because you forgot who God is and you forgot that not only who he is but that who he is actually lives inside of you. Isn't it interesting in in, in Genesis, when they eat from the tree, the temptation was you can know the knowledge of good and evil. And isn't it interesting that when they eat that tree, immediately they're, they're self-aware that they're nude. I believe that one of the greatest calls from the Lord, I think, what, I think at the core of what Adam and Eve did was they ate from the tree that released knowledge that they were not supposed to have about their fleshly life. Their immediate response was, oh my gosh, we're naked. They didn't know they were naked before that and 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 see because they were so gone in the bliss of eden and the bliss of the garden that they were totally self they weren't even aware of themselves <laughs> and i believe that this is the reason why we don't understand why we you know we're bored in worship we wonder why we can't get more than 20 minutes you know we try so hard we get our prayer list out we can't figure out how to spend time with the lord we're we're wrestling with trying to be good christians but I believe that the root of our problem is we've lost awe and wonder of who God is. How many of you remember when you first got saved? Literally, when I got saved, when I got saved, I remember walking. I actually didn't feel any different when I got saved. I said the sinner's prayer. For me even to even say the sinner's prayer was a miracle. I was bad, dude. I was, I was a drug addict, went to prison when I was 17. I, I did a year in federal prison at 17 years old. You know, just I was a psycho, total psycho before I was saved. <laughs> I just I lived for pleasure. I was a total maniac. If if you told me your grandma was out of town, I'd throw a brick through a window and steal her jewelry to take her to the pawn shop tomorrow. You know, I just had no conscience. And I got saved and actually didn't feel any different. I was like, but clearly to get to the point of even saying the prayer was a big deal, you know? And I but I remember I walked outside and the sky was bluer. No, I'm serious. The grass was greener, I could hear the air. I lived under a fog. And I remember standing there going, man, it's beautiful outside. <laughs> you know? And, and, and actually, that's what's crazy about Job 38 and 39. God just goes off on the specific details of how big he is. Job 38 blows me away, not only because it reveals how big God is, but it reveals how literally every single thing was handcrafted with detail. Grass, wind, trees. You, I mean, there is nothing out there that is not shouting the glory of God. Nothing, nothing, dude. I mean, Job 38. I mean, you can go. I'm, I'm just preaching out Job 38 39. Just go dig through your Bible, blow your mind. The Old Testament is so insane, isn't it? I love it, dude. I read it and go, What on earth? It is the most bizarre. Dude, I mean, just read Genesis. Like the story of like Isaac and Joseph, it is like so dysfunctional. You know, I mean, this is a good movie. Like, 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 think about how the 12 tribes of Israel were formed. Four different women working together, having different children for one person. That is bizarre. Like, one woman having, a, having kids, but he doesn't really love her the way he loves her, but she can't have kids, so she's getting her servant to have kids with him. It's like, what is this story? This is as dysfunctional as it gets. Four women working together to have a bunch of kids with one guy. That is bizarre. That has nothing to do with anything. Don't, don't meditate on that. <laughs> is this too much for you guys? I'm sorry. Let me, let me, get, let me get back on track. Now, okay, so I, I, could, I could go off in the book of Job, right? But, but bring this into New Testament, right? Bring this into New Testament now. I love Revelation 1 and Revelation 2 because Revelation 1, we get another wow God moment where Jesus reveals himself to John on the island of Patmos. And I, we're actually, you know what? We're gonna, I told you we weren't gonna open our Bible. We're gonna open our Bible. So get... Um, Get Revelation 1 going. Um, I love, I'm just gonna look at this real quick because I love this because Jesus comes and encounters John in Revelation 1. Let's Go, go to Revelation 1. Um, go to Revelation 1, 13 and 15 and 16. I probably am not actually gonna read it verse by verse, but you can just put it up there if you want. So John's on the island of Patmos. Jesus Appears to him in in the midst of seven (laughs) lampstands. Could you imagine? He hears a voice from behind him. He turns around and he sees seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of these lampstands comes Jesus. And here's what he sees. A man with eyes like a flame of fire. With feet like fine brass refined in a furnace. Did you study that out? It's actually a trip. If you, when you, when you, ref, anyone in here work with brass and welding and anybody? It's unbelievable if you study it out why Jesus mentioned that. Because you think of brass, you think of something like brown feet, you know, like some real ugly, like, no but the fact that he said like being refined in a furnace when you actually take brass and refine it in a furnace when people that work on it they actually have to have special glasses on because the flame that it produces it's just like welding it's this it's this like glowing white blue flame that your eyes will get injured if you look at it without glasses so he says you know like feet like fine brass refined in the furnace right out of his mouth comes a double-edged sword. His voice sounds like, like, a, like, like mighty rushing, what is it, wind or water, it says, I can't remember. Yeah, and uh, it says his countenance is like the sun shining in its strength. Dude, it's a sunny day. When you leave church today, I want you just to peel your eyeballs open and I want you to look right into the sun. it's going to hurt your eyes and if you can do it for 90 seconds you're going to go blind that's what what science says isn't that crazy his countenance is like the sun shining in its strength and then John falls down like a dead man because he goes whoa I've never seen this I've never seen this this is the resurrected Jesus. I've never seen this. But now watch this. Turn to Revelation chapter two. Here's what's unbelievable. Jesus gets pastoral with it. So now the Lord's like, now I'm gonna write a letters to seven churches. He rebukes five of the seven. Two get blessed, five get rebuked. They all get blessed, and they get, but they get rebuked. Five of them do. But here's what's beautiful is Jesus writes a letter to each church and he, he's, he, what's he, you guys know the, seven, the letter to seven churches, right? He starts out by saying, you're doing this really well. And just, you know, see, we read it. and we, we, Sometimes we read Revelation 2 about the seven churches and we're kind of like have a harsh opinion. Like, oh, they must have been really like lukewarm. Like, dude, think about it. If Jesus Christ comes down from heaven right now, and says, River in the Hills Church, let me say some things about you. You really understand love. Dude, you guys are like the greatest church in Texas. So these are churches that are like amazing. Because if Jesus Christ is gonna come and give a stamp of approval on three or four areas they do well, that's a big deal. If Jesus Christ says you've done well in a subject, like dude, you've done well in a subject. But we know the story, right? he ends up going down the It's like, you've left your first love, you are lukewarm, you've tolerated Jezebel, right? He goes down the line with these churches, but he starts out the letter by revealing some of his beauty from Revelation one. Every single church that he writes a letter to, he highlights something from the encounter I just talked about with John on the island of Patmos. So what I see there is I see the pastoral leadership of Jesus saying, Thyatira, the one that tolerates Jezebel, look at me because I'm the one with eyes like a flame of fire. So what he's saying is, is you can't come up with a system or a program on how to get free from Jezebel. You got to see me because when you see me, you're not going to desire that, that lady anymore. Jesus gets harsh with that one. He's like, I'm going to murder her children. Like he, <laughs> Jesus is like, whoa. But look at this. Revelation 1, I'm just, I'm just going to, or Revelation 2, I'm just going to zip through these. So for instance, to the church of Ephesus, he says, These things who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Down in verse 8, to the church of Smyrna, however you pronounce it. These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. He go to the church of Pergamos. He says, verse 12, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. You go, to the, you go to Thyatira. These things says the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like fine brass. You go, to, you go down to chapter three. He says to the church of Sardis, these things who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars into the church of Philadelphia. He says, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no, he who opens doors and, no, and shuts ones that no one else can open. You go over to chapter three, verse 14, to the Laodicean church. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. My point is, is he starts out these letters by revealing how amazing he is. So, so often we get caught in the swirl of life and and that song that we sang from Upper Room, the thank you song, dude, that is one of the most powerful songs that I have ever heard come out in the last two years. I have had that song on repeat since the day that album came out because I'm telling you that thing literally the storms of life disappear when you get lost in thanking who in thanking God. I woke up from a demonic dream this morning. I won't go into the details of it. But it left me full of anxiety. Because it left me in wonder and suspicion if it actually was a true thing cuz dreams are you know I'm like oh wait is this a prophetic dream? You know? And 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 I mean it was demonic. And I, and I literally was full of anxiety for two and a half hours this morning. And then, and then my, my best friend and my spiritual father, who, who runs Luke 18, who, who's actually doing the IHOPU trip in Louisiana right now, turns out he's been up at, since 5 a.m. praying for me. And so I text him. I texted Glenn. I texted Kyle. And I texted Ty. And Ty calls me and goes, bro. like." And so we prayed, we prayed together all morning on the phone. But you know what I did? You know what helped the fog lift this morning? And I did some dumb crap. I ended up like entertaining some really dumb thoughts and ideas that then made it worse, right? That's what we do. No, really. And then like, I then go on Facebook and literally there's like a video that's like totally inappropriate. That's like literally about the subject I should dream about. I'm like, devil, you are such a freaking dork, dude. Like, and I'm just like, oh my God. Like what are the likes of me going on Facebook, clicking that stupid movie tab. Don't click that dumb tab. It's all inappropriate junk. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And so I end up, so I end up, I end up just turning on the Upper Room album, the, the new one, the to the one it's called. And the first three songs, the first one is you know, thank you, and the you know, and I just, and before I knew it, I fell back asleep. <laughs> and my point is, is I believe that this is the answer to everything. Psalm 119, we are strangers in the earth. And if you do not keep your eyes looked on Jesus or looking at Jesus, you cannot survive. You know, I was just talking to my, my dad, my dad the other day, because my, my all my siblings are not doing so great. They're all in different situations of life, and you know, I was just talking to him like, and I just realized, like, you th- like living in this world as a Christian is absolutely impossible. It is impossible. It is the hardest thing you can ever do. It's like, it's like, uh, I don't even know what to compare it to. It's like being a golfer, like a skinny little golfer guy, like trying to compete in a powerlifting contest. Like it's impossible. Like, like you aren't even going to come close to picking that barbell up. It's impossible. And we have the entire system of the world waging war against us and I'm not, I, I, I don't live a day in my life in defensive mode with the devil, not at all so I'm not here to try to impart like oh he's, he's out there, don't, you know, dude whatever like he is out there but if we do not live a lifestyle of looking at God, we will get caught in that swirl what does it say in Psalms, guard my eyes from looking at worthless things and it's exactly what I mentioned earlier. When you forget and you stop looking at God, that Tesla outside will catch your eye. And here's what happens. No, no, no. Listen to this. And I, actually, I, I love Tesla. They're sick, dude. <laughs> Teslas are so sick, dude. My friend drives one. They, I mean, they're, they're awesome, right? But, but here's what we do. Here's what we do. So we're driving down the street. We see a Tesla or we see a Lambo or we see whatever. And our eyes see and we get enticed. And then we speak, wow, that car's beautiful. And when we speak and when we look, we sow into our soul. Guard my eyes from caring about and gazing at worthless things. Evaluate your daily life choices and you're going to find out real quick why you have a hard time connecting with God. What are the top 10 things that you value the most and give most of your time to? Right? And having things is awesome. Like if you have a Tesla in this room, I'm so happy for you. Like, can you impart to me like, you know, like this isn't about that things are wrong. We should live a blessed life. We should be an example of because we've chosen Jesus, our outward life does physically manifest blessing of the Lord. We should be. Like, I don't want the testimony of Jesus to be, I'm poor and my life's falling apart and it sucks. Like, you know, no, like, so I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. But what I'm saying is, is what we gaze at sows in. And so what happens is, guys, I wanna submit to us to live a lifestyle where we are trying to find every moment of our mo- every moment that we can get if you're driving to work your 30 minute quiet time in the morning before work your lunch hour every minute you get that you stop you take 20 seconds and you look up that's what a life of prayer is a life of prayer is not 6am to noon in the prayer room i live a really weird lifestyle <laughs> And my six hours in the prayer room does not mean anything. I just was with one of our monthly supporters yesterday morning. He lives out here. And he was so bummed because he, well, he was a youth pastor for a while And he 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 got to spend all this time in the chapel praying because he's he's a house of prayer guy. So like he kind of did his own thing. Well now he's a construction worker. He's doing really well. Like he's making a lot of money. I'm so happy for him. He's married. He's doing well. But he was so bummed because he feels that his little 20 minutes in the morning isn't what it used to be when he was a youth pastor, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, dude, you've got to understand. Like you have to take those moments throughout your day and look up and the same oil that I get for six hours you'll get for 45 but see we believe this lie and then we get distracted guys I'm telling you we are meant to live an unbelievable kingdom life but you won't even have confidence to even figure out what that looks like until you see him and how do you see him the bible Find these passages about the bigness of God, and you'll find out real quick that your transmission on your car is really not a big deal. (laughs) I've got to remind you, you know what I mean? Here's even just a fun little kingdom finance testimony, right? Like, even just, you know, the more that I've been doing this the last four or five months, and then I started having dreams that I was preaching. The reason I'm preaching this message right now I started having dreams that I was preaching this message. I was like, okay, guess that's my assignment for the next season. And it's super simplistic, right? This isn't some deep message. I'm calling you to look at God. (laughs) I mean, I'm calling you to look at God because I promise you the the things that are swirling in your life, dude, I've got a hundred of them. I've got tons of debt. I've got, you name it, right? I've got like 20 issues that are stressful in my life right now. 20 of them for sure, you know? But there's moments where I get so bent out of shape about it, so caught up in it. And it's like, I, I, can ima- I can picture myself, I'm stressing out about a $500 transmission problem. And we got Job here who's like lost everything and is like dying of like cold sores on his body. And the Lord shows up and I just, every time I go back to Job 38 and I go, gosh, I'm stressing out about 500 bucks or whatever. And, and I just imagine God appearing to me in a tornado and being like, dude, you're breathing right now because of me. <laughs> you know, like, and, 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 and when, we begin, when we begin to get caught up in this, all of a sudden, the way that we do things in life become totally backwards to the way that everybody else would think to do it. You know, so just even like, this is a small one. I've got way bigger ones than this, but I'll give you a small one because it's within the last two weeks. It's just a fresh one. You know, we, my wife and I are, are really believing for a second car because we, we gave our car away when we moved to New York City. We gave our SUV away. My wife had a nice SUV, and we gave it away. And so we're stuck in my little 07 Ford Focus, you know, because it's all, it's all you need in New York City. So, but, but we didn't know the Lord was moving us back so quickly, you know. So, so, so the last year and a half, we have one car, like a, a, this 07 Focus, you know, for a wife and two kids, right? And, and you know, it's like, it's crazy. But for the first six months, the Lord did all these weird things. Like my neighbor across the street at our new house, he's this owns this construction company. He's not a believer at all, like not at all. And he's got this like million dollar exotic car collection in his garage. He's got a six car garage that has like all of these old, like crazy cars from the 40s that he's like dumped all, like he like goes to car shows and wins. He's like, he's like a known guy in Kansas City. And like one random day, he, we get like talking about it like about how, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for a second, something, something, something. And he's like, he gives me this like crazy 1989, like souped up Jag for like three months. He's like, just have it for the next three months. So I'm like driving around this, dude, it was so funny. I'm in this like 1989 Jaguar that's like crazy perfect condition. It had, had 60,000 miles on it. So it was like, so that happened, right? And then, but then it was time to give it back to him because all of a sudden like the starter stopped working. And so like I'd get stuck places all the time, like, oh, the car's not starting, you know, and then, like, it would start later, so I ended up giving it back to him, because it got stressful, because all the, like, I was like, bro, I don't know what's going on, something's, something's up with, you know, the car's not starting, so anyways, so, like, a week later, my landlord is like, hey, uh, you, do need a second car to borrow? I'm like, yeah, so, like, I'm driving this van around, and it was, like, the loudest thing you've ever heard, like, (laughs) dude, the knock on this engine was, like, someone was beating with a hammer, like, like all day long. And so it was just funny because the Lord's like providing, providing, providing. Well, then I had, to get the, I had to get the van back to him. So we've been in this situation where it's like starting to like stink. It's like, dang. And like, so I'm like getting rides. You know, a grown man with a wife and kids. And I'm like, I'm like texting my like single friends, you know, like they're like in their young 20s. Like, hey, can you give me a ride? You know? And so like, so I'm like getting rides. Like, I'm, no, seriously, I'm like getting rides, you know? And uh, I don't know why I'm saying all this. Oh, I'm saying this because as as I've been digging deeper into this, my response on things of life are drastically changing. And it's stuff though that the world would say, dude, no, like, don't do that. Like, dude, that's a blessing, keep that, you know? Don't give it away. And so, so I just decided, I was like, you know what? You have not because you ask not. I'm like, I've always had favor when I just ask, you know? And so I made a video. <laughs> so I made like a two minute video and I posted it on Facebook just being like, hey guys, we need a second car. If anyone out there, got an SUV for my family, right? So for like 40 minutes, so you guys are thinking he probably got a car. Actually, he haven't got the car yet, but there's a cool testimony. Like 45 minutes later, there's this guy on his way to our house from like an hour away. He's trying to, he's buying a headboard for my wife. So my wife's like redoing our bedroom right now. She thinks it's lame. And she's like, she's always doing that. <laughs> my, I, my, I'm married to an interior. My wife's like actually like a legitimate interior designer. That's like what she does. And, and so she's constantly putting us in these, Situations where she decides we need a new couch, but then she sells the couch, but then we're like, it's not enough to get the new couch. I'm constantly in this situation. So my wife's in the process of remodeling our our bedroom right now. So she's been trying. We have this like really really nice headboard, and she's selling it for like two hundred dollars less than what it's worth. And like all of these people for like the last she's been doing this for six months. She's been trying to sell this headboard. It doesn't make any sense. It's like it's like a five hundred dollar headboard. And she's selling it for eight, 80 bucks. And like, people are like, want, like, every week people are like, all right, we'll be there at five and they just don't come. And Landry's like, this is weird. Like, like over, like, like legitimately, like over 50 people like were coming to buy it and flaked out. And she just finally said, forget about it. Like, I, the Lord doesn't want me to sell the headboard. You know? And so, so the same day I post that video, some guy's like, hey, is that headboard still for sale? You know, he like messages my wife. So this dude's like driving from Liberty, Missouri. It's like an hour away. And so he shows up and he really did come. And he's this tatted up guy. And, and, and he hands us, he's like, hey, he, oh, this is awesome. My daughter's gonna love this. this. We're actually redoing her room. This is sweet. And he gives us 200 bucks. And he's like, hey, the Lord says keep the change. And we're like, so, so we get 120 bucks extra, right? And, and I'm like, so clearly he's a Christian, you know? So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, dude, thank you. I'm like, you're, I'm like, dude, we're believers too. You know? He's like, yeah. He goes, um, he goes, uh, I stalked your guys' Facebooks on my way over here just to find out who I'm buying this headboard from, and he's like, I'm actually a pastor, um, in Liberty, Missouri, and he's like, uh, did you guys get your need met? And I'm thinking, dude, like, he's gonna give us a car, you know? I don't know, right? <laughs> He doesn't, but <laughs> so he ends up, it was just this really cool thing. He prays over us and we're like, what the heck? So I just knew it was a kiss from the Lord. Like, I got this. And then it's crazy too, because now him and I are like connecting and he's like, he wants me to come speak at his church soon. And, and it's just really funny how stuff works. Well, immediately, see, I've just been, I've been so gone and just like, God, you're so big. Who cares about anything else, you know? And I'm like, honey, let's give that $120 away. But like in the natural, we had like 80 bucks in our bank account, like 80 bucks, that's it. And like payday like, Tomorrow, I think, like, wait, no, what's today? Oh, payday was yesterday, anyways. So like, we look 80 bucks, I mean, right? I got a wife and kids here, like I can't be doing this kind of stuff. And so we do it, we, we give it to our friend at Upper Room, she's raising money for something, and uh, so we just do it, we sold the 120. The next morning, and this has happened like hundreds of times, but this is just a, this is a testimony for now. The next morning, I get four different people text me all within a three-hour period. And long story short, I get $220 a month in new monthly supporters the next day. So the Lord doubles, well, more than that because it's a monthly, but, but to the dollar, $220 a month in new monthly partners with our ministry. And I'm like, oh, you're so cool. So, you know, it's like, but, but, that, but that, that's gonna come out later. So we still only have 80 bucks, <laughs> you know? And so like, even like up coming up to this trip, it's the beginning of this week. And I'm like, dang, like I'm about to go to Austin for the weekend. Like, I just got 80 bucks. Like, yeah, oh, that sucks. I just have no money while I'm gone. I feel bad, you know? And I'm literally sitting there like having the conversation with my wife about, I'm so sorry, but like we have no money, you know, like whatever. And my friend from Florida randomly, like while I'm having the conversation with her, messages me and he's like, hey, did you get that car by any chance? And I'm thinking, no way is this guy gonna me a car, you know? And he's like, I'm like, no. He's like, well, bro, the Lord told me, told me to do this. He's like, give me your cash app, 400 bucks. And I'm like, all right, you know? And, so, and, and, then, and then there's, so there's been this game, right? It's becoming a game now. So we sowed a lot of that. And it's just been this fun thing. But my point is, is this is the way that the Lord wants us to live, Because we've got to lock our eyes on how big he is and it will transform first and foremost your prayer life because here's the thing. Most of us come to church and worship because we wanna receive. That's not worship. This, what we did for 40 minutes this morning is not about you. And until you get that revelation, you always come up short of receiving. Because our, what we receive in the kingdom is found being lost in his beauty. He wants us to come to church to worship him because we are so blown away by how big he is. My friend, I heard my friend say one time, if the Lord were to come and answer the prayers of the American church, we'd have more money and better tasting food. The end. What do we spend most of our time praying about? Our own stuff. God, take care of this, bless this, do that, help us with this, God, bless this food to our bodies, we'd have six packs, more money, and better tasting meals. That, that's an exaggerated joke. You get what I'm saying. But my point is, is we have got to lock eyes with what this whole thing is about. And I think Jesus gave us a clear picture. The bird, I feed the birds, I take care of all this stuff, so why do you worry like the heathens do? Seek first, The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. It's one thing to say that scripture and go, okay, I'm gonna do it, but you've already lost. Okay, I'm gonna do it. No, you're not. You're gonna go home tonight. You're gonna put on some worship music. You're gonna find a scripture about the bigness of God and you're gonna close your eyes and get lost. That's what it means. And then all of a sudden, the money showed up because you got lost in him. This thing's about him. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what the house of prayer is about. House of prayer is not about revival in Austin, Texas. Lake Travis house of prayer is not about so we can see transformation in the city. Transformation will happen in the city because of it, but Lake Travis house of prayer is about the Lord trying to rock a community here in in wherever we're at. Here in Lakeway, Texas, he's trying to rock a group of people by how big he is. And you're gonna have no trouble trying to recruit people to get in this room. You know what I mean? For real. Is this okay? Am I, am I harsh or is I, am I okay with you guys? If you're feeling condemned right now, don't be. Don't be condemned. But if you're feeling convicted right now, good. The Lord's not upset with anybody in this room, He's not mad, but He's calling us into saying, man, I'm amazing, I'm beautiful. Come be with me. I love what you said. Holy Spirit, what do you want to talk about? He's like, me? <laughs> what else are you going to talk about? And Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit's not the, the, the third brother of the Trinity. <clears throat> it's God. And the mystery of everything that I'm saying about this, this God is that somehow it lives in us. Let that blow your mind. So once you get lost looking up, then you start looking in. And you're like, what in the heck? We are operating on 0.11111111111111111111 times a billion of what really this thing is supposed to look like. I believe we're called to be so foolish to the world that we're actually relevant. We're trying to be cool. I mean, I'm kind of cool. I mean, I'm not like... Sure, I mean, I like clothes, I like stuff, I like Nikes, I like tattoos, like whatever, you know. But we're trying to figure out how to get the gospel into the millennial generation. We're trying to figure out all these like hip relevant ways to do it. And the fact that we're trying to be relevant and like them actually makes us completely irrelevant to the world. Because the people that you're trying to be like they're going home and they're depressed and they don't know what to do with their lives. This is why celebrities who've gained everything in the world hang themselves. Like what is Robin Williams killing himself for? The man who is single-handedly more responsible for making human beings joyful and laughing than anyone we've ever known. Think about that. Who has made people laugh more than Robin Williams? Mrs. Doubtfire, did. Think about that. This man has brought more joy, laughter, family memories. I mean, dude, the family memories that you have sitting around watching movies like Mrs. Doubtfire. Bro, Pan, Peter Pan, movie's incredible. What does a guy like that kill himself for? Bro, you have made more people happy than anybody. Why are we trying to be like the world? Now, yeah, there's a way to communicate and there's a way to be able to talk on their level, of course, I'm not saying, you know, go show up and be like, hey. You know, like, no, of course not. But we wanna be so gone, so lost, that literally when people encounter us, they're like, you know, I saw this girl, I'll end here, I'm, I'm closing up, I went way long, sorry. I was at this coffee shop, like all, like, like for a good chunk of the day yesterday, called Houndstooth on Martin Luther King Boulevard. And I'm in this coffee shop, and I'm sitting with this friend of mine. He he works with Ravi Zacharias. He's awesome, real deep, deep, deep theologian guy. And he did did one of our evangelism intensives like nine years ago, you know? And he thinks we're total cuckoo. Like, he likes me, but he thinks we're cuckoo, you know? And, uh, And we're just hanging out, we're talking about God and what's going on in his life, and you know, all these different things. And I just can't help, but there's this beautiful lady, probably in her young 30s to the left of me, over in the corner. And she has the most beautiful little girl, probably my daughter's age. And you can tell like they're very cool, like hip, you know, mother and daughter. She's got this like little tanker bandana thing. She was, and, and she's teaching her how to crochet. And I'm watching this mother. I, I, I thought she was saved. I mean, the level of love and intentionality in her eyes and just like in her, I could just see this bond between the daughter and her you know, and, and, and just, and just she's, she's crocheting and she's making mistakes and I'm like watching the mom go, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm thinking, man, they are beautiful. And it was, it was so overwhelming that I had to go talk to them. And I walk up to this, this lady and I'm like, hey. And she kind of like is put off, but the daughter's like, you could was really attracted to me. But she was kind of like, who is this guy? You know, and I'm, I'm wearing this gatekeeper sweater, you know, and <laughs> I just got my luggage last night. <laughs> I'm finally wearing my clothes. And so I, uh, I walk up, you know, I walk up to her and I just was, I mean, I was like borderline drunk in the spirit. I was feeling the Lord for her so much. And I'm like, I'm just telling her, I'm like, God. I'm like, literally, I said, I can just feel literally the Lord. I was like, I don't know what your take is on spiritual. She's like, actually, I don't believe in that stuff at all. And I'm like, it took me off guard, actually. I thought she'd at least be a spiritual person or something. But I'm just saying to her, I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what you believe. I'm like, I, I have a relationship with God. And I was like, I just have to tell you, like God is shining through you. I was like, I literally look at you and i watching the way that you are mothering your daughter and the Lord says that he's put a great gift in you. You know, I'm just like prophesying over her. And I'm like, I literally, and she was kind of like, wow. And the little girl's probably my daughter's age. She was like, thank you. It's so nice to meet you. And she's kind of like, I don't know what to do with this guy. But my point is, is, you know, we are called to be so possessed by the emotions of God that, we are, that, that what we do looks foolish, but after a while, the people that got it all figured out, they see something different. And they start asking you questions later on in life. They, they don't get it. They probably don't really fully want your lifestyle, you know, they, they don't, but it's like, they go, what is up with this? Guys, we need to be so gone in the Lord. We need to be so irrelevant that we're actually relevant. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Because we have the hope of the Lord who's the answer to the world. And guys, following Jesus is supposed to be the greatest thing ever. But we've got to look up. We've got to get our eyes off of worthless things. We've got to stop being unfamiliar with who this guy is. And if, listen to this, I'll end with this. If, 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 if reading the scriptures like Job and stuff don't quite do it for you, then just rewind the last five years and figure out where he was good. So if you're hung up in your moment now and you can't find the discipline to open up Job 38 and you're you're like, I see it's big, but I'm not feeling anything, that's fine. Then just pause and look back over the last year and you're gonna go, wow, I see God now. Okay, let me just pray for you guys. And then I'm gonna turn the service over to pastor. We're gonna pray for you guys if you want prayer. And I don't know, we're just gonna believe God to do something great. Amen. God, we just thank you for who you are. You are the one with eyes like a flame of fire, that your countenance is like the sun shining in its strength. God, that you created this entire universe and this little thing called the Milky Way and inside of the Milky Way this little thing called earth that we literally can't even see beyond China feels so far away from here God but you are up there making this whole thing work and yet you take the time what a mystery the God who showed up in a tornado and spoke to Job to the point where years of pain, years of hurt, years of this whole life falling apart, but when you showed up, he covered his mouth and couldn't speak and then said, I've only heard of you, but now I've seen. Help us, God, every day to not let the things of the world dazzle us, to not let the things of the world entice us, God, Guard our eyes from looking at worthless things. We were created for beauty. Thank you, God. Help us. Help me, God. Help me to stay on this path. I don't want to look to the left or to the right. I want to look up to you where all my help comes from. Colossians 3 says, set your eyes on things above where Christ dwells. It says that when we look in the mirror, in our bathrooms with an unveiled face, we actually see the reflection of God. Guys, you are not ugly. You are not trash. When you look in the mirror, you literally see the reflection of God. That your eyes were formed and fashioned by God every structure as pastor said this morning you know every number of hair on our head it also says in the psalms that your thoughts about us outnumber every grain of sand on the seashore go walk up to a beach go go find a body of water today go dig your hand in the sand and try to count those grains that you got in your palm it will take you five years His thoughts about you outnumber every grain of sand that you can find on the earth. You're a big God. We just bless you today. God, I thank you for this house. I thank you for every person in this room. God, you order our steps. Not one person is here by mistake. We all could have died this morning. We all could have, anything could have happened, but we're in this room at this moment right now. There's not a moment in life that you didn't know about beforehand. And God, I just bless every person in this room that they would receive all that you have for them. I bless River and the Hills Church and the Lake Travis prayer room. Bless this house. I honor Glenn and his wife for their years of plowing in this city. Their years of stewarding your presence. Their years of fighting the status quo of church growth fighting the status quo of how you do ministry. God, they didn't read the book. They didn't read the book on how to build a church, God. They hosted you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We just say thank you for what you're doing in Austin, Texas. It's an honor to be a part of your story, God. In Jesus' name, amen.